new on CuriosityStream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen. Welcome to another Thursday. So before we get uh, started on today's topic, I'd like to invite you to listen to my co co-host in crime. I guess I'll call her um, Buffy Williams. Show she deals with issues in education, um, and she's really fabulous host. Her show is Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, I'd like to talk to you about the topic of neuroplasticity. This is a fairly broad topic, and it's fairly detailed, so I imagine that there will be a couple of episodes that cover this. Um, let's jump right in. Like I said, it's it's a fascinating but detailed topic. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. So what is neuroplasticity? So neuroplasticity is the way the brain has uh, is designed basically to rewire itself after a, tra- a traumatic brain injury. Um, the brain normally has designated areas for each of the bodily functions. You have the occipital lobe in the back of your of your skull that handles information basically from your eyes. So that handles all things having to do with vision. It's how your brain communicates with your eyes to interpret what you see on a daily basis. For example, so again, each area takes care of a specific function. Um, there are many, many functions, too many to listen, list right here, but our brain is a complicated machine. Um, so our five senses, taste, touch, scent, and vision are just a few. As I mentioned, the occipital lobe um, earlier. Your brain also controls your perception of the space around you. The way you move through that space, um, 
and how you have an extra sense of what's around you, even if you're not looking at it. Um, it also controls motor skills and the ability for you to grasp and hold objects, write, play a video game, and, you know, everything else we basically do um, in order to function. So again, the brain has storage compartments. I'll use the word storage compartments for each action that you have to do as a human being to live. Um, <clears throat> so when the brain is damaged, whatever area of the brain is affected is of course unable to function or functions are reduced. Basically, if the brain is damaged, the neurons cease to be active. They become dead, in effect. Um, many disabilities are caused by damage or trauma to the brain. For example, like my cerebral palsy. Um, Early on, neurologists believe that once trauma occurred, whichever area of the brain that was affected was functionally dead, as I mentioned. The cells are dead. You, you're not getting any more. You're not growing anymore. It's just, that's the way it is, and you'll just have to live with it. Um, however, as of the 70s, scientists have begun to believe in the concept of neuroplasticity. This is the idea that the brain can rewire itself to compensate for damage. Scientists have discovered four ways in which neuroplasticity occurs. And I'll talk about those in just a moment here, right after a short break. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals. Welcome back to the show. Today's topic is neuroplasticity. I gave you a little bit of background on how the brain works and why it does what it does. Now we're going to go into how neuroplasticity occurs. So last segment I mentioned that scientists originally thought that if you had brain damage, that section of the brain was basically gone. You, There was no hope to regrow those neurons. That was just the way it was. However, as of the 70s, scientists began to change that view and now believe that the brain is able to rewire itself and actually create new synapses and neurons and rewire itself to compensate for the areas of the brain that are damaged. Um, so scientists have discovered four ways in which neuroplasticity occurs. I have a couple that we're going to talk about. 
to start with. This is homologous area adaptation. Thank you for bearing with me through that word. <laughs> so this is is focused on childhood. This actually occurs mostly in childhood. If your brain is damaged when you're a child, this is what happens as your brain tries to adjust. For example, again, I have CP. I was damn my brain was damaged when I was a child and it was damaged when I was extremely young at birth and my brain immediately set to work trying to rebuild the neurons and the synapses I would need to replace the damaged areas of my brain. So it's not quite like if I would have had the function of the normal area of the brain, um, but it's a close approximation. Children are actually very um, resilient, more resilient than adults in that when we're kids, our brain kind of goes crazy and starts building neurons and synapses everywhere and shoots neurons and synapses everywhere, different paths to everything over the brain. Um, millions and millions of, of little shoots, um, little paths to carry information. As we grow, those paths start to be what they call pruned back in that the neurological paths that we don't use as much, say, if I once knew how to use the piano, but I don't keep up with it, I'm going to eventually lose that information and lose that skill um, unless I, you know, return to playing the piano. And that's because as we grow, the brain automatically cuts off the unused paths that we make in our brain in order to clear space basically for new paths. So the brain is always making new informational pathways. But as we grow older, we don't make as many as when we were children. So in a way, children are, it's easier for children to adapt to a um, traumatic brain injury than it might be for an adult. So, and this is the pro, this is how the brain does that. This is homologous um, area adaptation. That's what that's called. So if the brain is damaged in childhood, as we mentioned, and this is what happened with me again, um, the brain will bypass the damaged area and use another area for this function. Often neurons are rerouted to the opposite sides of the brain. A lot of the time on your in your brain you have similar um, uh, both sides of the brain have an area that deal with with one function um, left and right so you'll have you know the the part of your brain that deals with your right hand the part of the brain that deals with your left hand um, so they're similar areas. Um, 
So again, often these neurons are rerouted to the opposite side of the brain, um, to the to the damaged area's twin, which takes up the function um, that was damaged originally. I'll use an example for myself, actually. Um, my cerebral palsy primarily affects my right side, which means my right side is weaker, it's less coordinated, um, that sort of thing. Um, I, especially when I was a child, I, I was unable to grasp a pen or a pencil in my right hand. Um, early on, and my teachers taught me how to use my left hand right. Um, my brain was able to assign the writing function to my left hand rather than my right. I think that had I been born without the CP, I would have been naturally right-handed. Um, but because I, I have this weakness on my right side, my brain decided that it was going to shoot that function, that skill, over to my left hand, so the stronger hand would be able to grip the pen and write the sentence. Um, <clears throat> there is a downside to this. The brain can assign a function to any area it wants. Um, some functions may be reassigned to areas which previously handled one thing and one thing only. If a new function is assigned, the area must make way for the new function. Thus, the area's original purpose becomes less effective. And I will explain that and tell you how that happened to me and, and what that means for me right after this break. Again, this is the New Heights Show on Education. I am your host, Erica Hansen, and I'll see you after this break. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully-accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. We are discussing neuroplasticity today. So last segment, I was talking about how the brain can rewire itself um, to teach... Let me start again. The brain can rewire itself to to use another part of the brain in order to compensate for a damaged part of the brain. Um, <clears throat> and we were discussing some of the ways in which it does that. For example, I, I said that I have a very weak right hand, so therefore the skill of writing was transferred to my left hand. Um, but there is a downside to this, and the brain simply doesn't know. So, I mean, the brain doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't say, oh, you know, maybe this isn't the greatest thing. Well, maybe it is. You know, it just sends a connection to 
the most available part of the brain that can take over um, a skill from a damaged section of the brain. So what happens is some functions may be reassigned to areas which previously handled one thing and one thing only. If a new function is assigned, the area must make room for the new function. Thus, the area's original purpose becomes less effective. I'll give you an example of this. This happened to me. Um, I have issues with spatial recognition, recognizing the, the space I'm physically in um, and navigating around it. Um, so things like not tripping down the stairs or not quite seeing the end of, you know, end of a corner and running into a wall, things like that, um, <clears throat> I, I tend to do, um, when I was a child, my brain decided that it wanted to reroute the spatial function that I had to a section of the brain that that's sole function is to handle mathematics. So what happened was that that section of the brain that was labeled mathematics had to make room for the function of spatial recognition. So an area of the brain that was designed really to do one thing, mathematics, is now having to do two things, spatial recognition and mathematics. The first thing that you learn is, is always, almost always given precedence um, in the brain. So children, and again, this is what happened to me, children learn spatial awareness before they learn mathematics. So my brain assigned, assigned more importance to um, spatial recognition than it did to the mathematics part of my brain. So in that, in effect, Mathematics is squeezed aside to give more resources, more energy, more synapses, more neurons to spatial recognition because my brain, you know, says, okay, it's more important that she not walk into a wall. Um, unfortunately, because I have so few resources going to the mathematics portion um, function of my brain. I'm not great at math. Um, and when I say I'm not great at math, it's not, I'm afraid of math or math just isn't my skill. It, it means that it is very difficult for me to process a mathematical problem. Um, but that's what happened, you know, and it's been helpful in some ways. In others, it's not been very helpful. Obviously, math is a skill that you need. Um, but again, I'm grateful that I don't 
walk into walls, well, too much. So <clears throat> again, and this happened because as a child, I learned spatial recognition before I learned math. So whatever skill comes first gets the most attention from the brain. So a cup, oh, I mentioned this and I want to re-mention it. Um, when the brain is developing, it creates more neurons and synapses than it needs. Um, the child's ability to adapt to a traumatic brain injury is better than an adult's. Um, and as we grow, the brain allows little used pathways to die off and fall away while strengthening the pathways that are more frequently used. Um, and I mentioned that earlier, but I think it's an important point. Um, it illustrates that if we want to improve something, we just have to use that skill over and over and over until our brain learns how to manage it. Um, that's what learning is. Basically, it is training it the neurons in your brain to recognize and accomplish a task or a problem or that sort of thing. That's what it is. Um, a very simple and very complex at the same time. So the second um, version of neuroplasticity is called compensatory masquerade. Um, like I mentioned, there are four of these. And this is the second one. This is the ability of the brain to figure out an, alt an alternate strategy. If the, neurons, um, if the neurons for the original strategy are damaged. Um, example, you may know people that you tend to use landmarks more than they follow directions um, due to the damage done in my brain from the CP, I am directionally challenged. I, you hand me a map and I will get lost. That's, just, you know, I, I don't process east, west, north, south the way other people do. So the way I get around the city is I use landmarks. Um, to recognize where I am and how far I have to go to reach a certain destination. That is an example of reassigning a strategy to a different area of the brain. Um, learning directions and having directional sense is a strategy um, that people use to go about their day. Um, so it's not necessarily a, a skill, it's a way of thinking. So because that area for me was damaged, my brain said, okay, you can't think about directions like most other people can. So we're going to give you this way to think about directions through landmarks. So you can, you know, navigate somewhat through your environment. That is what um, compensatory masquerade is. So, you know, I'm fascinated by the brain. I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's one of the topics that I enjoy talking about the most. Um, 
we're going to stop here on neuroplasticity, but like I said, it is a big topic. It covers a lot of ground. So I am going to continue with this topic in next week's episode and possibly an episode after that, depending on how much information I feel, you know, I feel I need to discuss with you in order to basically give an overview in the, of the basics of neuroplasticity. Um, Again, this show is live, so if you'd like to talk to me, I am on Zoom. You can contact me through 1-646-558-8656. That's a New York number. Your long-distance charges will apply. Um, Or you can join the Zoom meeting that I'm on right now um, and chat at me through our chat window. The um, Zoom meeting ID is 465-172-882. Once again, this show itself is Thursdays at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I enjoyed this time with you, and I hope that you have a great week. Stay safe, everyone, and I will see you or talk with you again next week for the new Hyde show on education. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org for monthly announcements and other happenings.